altitude's undefeated. Crap, we able to punch it up, whatever it was in. Not a huge time, I think. I don't know where I was going. I looked like I was running and started to talk to someone. I don't know what I was doing. I tell you what, Matt, we don't get much by you, that's for sure. Hello, Rapids fans. You are listening to Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. My name is Matt Pollard. It is the morning of Friday, January 26th, 2024. Just me on the pod this week. I apologize, listeners. Uh, this preseason schedule has not been kind to Rabbi Mark Goodman and to myself, Matt Pollard. Um, Mark had a minor Jewish holiday uh, last night. To Bishavat, I hope I'm Bishav Bishavat. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. T U and then B apostrophe S H E V A T. So he worked a 12-hour day last week, or excuse me, last night. Uh, the only night that both of us could make work was Thursday, and so then he ended up crashing. And I'm in my 30s now, and my body said, Matt, it's 10:30. It's time to go to bed. Uh, so here I am waking up relatively early before the workday to do this podcast. So um, not a whole lot of news this week, but a lot of little things to touch on. So um, we're going to do this. It's going to be uh, a bunch of quick takes this week uh, from Red here at HDHL, hoping to be uh, back in, hoping to be getting into preseason and regular season form come uh, the next couple of weeks as we round into the start of the season, what, in about a month's time now. So I do want to banter on two things. You've heard two different reports from Tom Bogert, one about a potential pro referee strike and another about Jesus Ferreira trying to go to Spark Talk Moscow. I'll start with the referee strike. So um, union organization uh, around the pro referees has voted to, uh, if there's no agreement um, by a certain date coming up, that they will strike at the start of the season. And so then there's a question of what MLS does. Do we bring in scab referees? Do we have a situation similar to the NFL where they bring in replacement referees and they are way worse than the referees that we are used to? Just my personal opinion, I think that I think the referee abuse around the world in world football has gotten out of hand and it needs to be tempered to a level in order to empathize with the individual in order to empathize with the fact that they too are human beings. We seem as sports fans to be more empathetic towards players that we like when they make a mistake that costs the team the game than we are to officials that do the exact same thing. And then there's perceived bias or conspiracy theories that come out of that. At the same time, there is plenty of room for improvement in pro referees. And we do have a newer, younger generation of referees recently, as we've seen Baldomero Toledo and Kevin Stott be reduced to fourth officials. Fotis Pazakos is still out there running around. HTHL is, I wouldn't say fond of, because there aren't referees that we like, but we respect Ishmael Elfath, I would say. Um, and the Kellys, Allen, and I can't remember what um, uh, what the other Kelly's first name is. But in any case, um, the I don't think, I think the referees are within the right to strike or threaten to strike. We've seen revenues increase as far as MLS is concerned. We've seen that there are now more games that they're potentially having to get involved with. We are seeing a congested travel schedule as well. And so if MLS is making all of this money 
off of Messi and off of Apple TV and off of the various sponsorships and everything. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not the person who talks about when it comes to union or how much you get paid um, in sports as uh, what you deserve, but rather what you can negotiate. And so, for example, with the U.S. women's national team, you know, they negotiated something that they could based on the clear power and influence and effect that they had on U.S. soccer separate from what the men's teams were doing and achieving on the pitch, off the pitch, and then in the um, with the fan base in the community globally and domestically. And so <clears throat> I think that the for, for me, the referees is the if they think that they can negotiate something better, and that is based on the clear value and necessity that MLS has for pro referees, then I think they're within the right to explore what that looks like. I do not think this will go very far. Um, I do think that this will get negotiated and sorted out quickly, as we've seen with most of these collective bargaining agreement negotiations, as we've seen um, with most of these lockouts or strikes that we've seen in various sports. The capacity for owners and league and clubs to uh, deal with these circumstances, and you know they they are able to outlast then the players or the um, the the labors need to do work to get paid. And so I do think if we do have scab referees to start, I think that will be a forcing factor to where there will be a negotiation. And so I don't think that this will go on very long. I do not anticipate this delaying the start of the season, but who knows? We'll see. Second thing, um, Jesus Ferreira to Spartak Moscow has been shut down. Tom Bogert is reporting. Um, reportedly, Spartak Moscow made a $13 million bid for FC Dallas and fringe USMNT starter Jesus Ferreira. Um, and MLS stepped in and said that the, uh, that the deal wouldn't go forward. Dallas had reportedly accepted the deal and the player and the club were negotiating personal terms at that point. I, I think it's incredibly disappointing. For the player, given the monetary implications of what this would have been, I guess I'd assume if we're talking about Russian clubs dropping, you know, you know, $10 million transfer fees on players with no European experience, assume that the Russian economy is doing well enough, or at least the, the oil money is still flowing, or... I think Spartak Moscow is technically the, the train, the rail club, so um, I guess the Putin paying to have the rail units, you know, send the trains down south to send supplies for um, the um, the conflict in Ukraine. I guess that's still making the money to the point where they got time to splurge on this. So in any case, it's hard to see. It's hard to say given the business model and given what FC Dallas are at a club, that, that valuation for Jesus Ferreira is probably the most that they were going to get for him probably this year and so for them to accept it for the player to be negotiating possibly discussing what securities whether or not he would be safe living and playing in Russia what the um, money situation would be I don't remember offhand what the um, transfer embargo situation it is when it comes to Russian clubs but I would have to say you know Russia's close enough to where um, if FIFA live uh, lifts some of the restrictions for uh, for Russian foreigners to then go from the Russian Premier League onto the rest of the European continent to where this would be a good stepping stone for Jesus Ferreira. And to say nothing of the fact that, you know, he's probably got to look on and see Ricardo Pepe scoring goals for fun on a PSV side that's going to win silverware this year. Florian Balogun, obviously, who's well liked by the coaching staff and other strikers who have a foothold in Europe for him to be at FC Dallas again 
where he's going to be expected to be, he's going to be the only reliable, consistent goal scorer on a team that's probably going to make the playoffs, probably not going to have home field advantage in that round of three, if that round of three exists, and certainly wouldn't be expected to win a trophy or make it to a conference final to the point where what he's able to achieve and earn monetarily in MLS is largely he's he's hit that ceiling. And if he wants to be a major figure in that 2026 USMNT World Cup squad, that probably, you know, he either has to be competing for the Golden Boot on an FC Dallas that's at or near the top of the Western Conference, or he's got to be in Europe. And so would he see this as a stepping stone of, you know, Russia in Russia for a year, and then at some point, you know, one of the big four, uh, big five leagues, a, a club from there comes in and goes for it. That being said, I can completely understand MLS's apprehension to send one of its more prominent domestic national team players off to Russia. And to say nothing of like the valid question of like, are Americans safe being in Russia, let alone Moscow? And are they safe living and working in Moscow? Like, what does that look like? Like, if you told me, Matt, like you have to go to like you like you have to go to Russia or you have to list the countries other than Russia that you would be willing to go to right now. And so I guess it's if it's between Russia and North Korea, I take Russia. I wouldn't step foot in Ukraine right now. Um, I wouldn't step foot in the in the Gaza Strip, Israel or Palestinian uh, claimed territory at this point. Um, I think the civil war in Syria is still going on as well. There's other countries in the Middle East, Middle East, maybe I could think of um, as well. But like. Off the top of my head, is there a country on the African continent that I would feel less safe in than Russia right now as someone who like would have to walk in and flash his American passport to an immigration officer and then validate why I'm going there? I'm not entirely sure. So I can understand where MLS stepped in on this. Disappointing for the player. Um, Hopefully, um, in Jesus's case, this is a reflection of the greater interest in him. And so if he does indeed want out in FC Dallas, um, there's a few other European clubs to where there could be an opportunity maybe in the final week of the European transfer window. Move on to MLS activities, or excuse me, Rapids news here, listeners. So um, Sam Vines is officially back. That was announced, what, Monday of this week. Mark and I spoke, uh, I guess it would have been a week ago, Monday after the, um, after the uh, Rapids Media Day, and we were convinced that this was going to be done. It was just a matter of timing and everything. I have to believe Sam Vines coming in, you know, late on Sunday, and then the club probably wanting to give him a day or two in order to get acclimated both to the altitude and then to the time zone change, and then in order to do the physical, and then who knows how much of that negotiation was negotiating terms with the Rapids. Um, also, it's fairly open based on what they've posted on social media, so <clears throat> I don't feel weird outing this detail for those of you who did not know it. Um, Sam Vines is engaged to the daughter of Richard Fleming, the former um, uh, broadcast commentator for the Colorado Rapids. So then there was probably some personal life stuff that had to be happened as they get resettled in Colorado and who knows where they are as far as wedding planning and whether or not the plan was to do it in Europe or do it back in Colorado now that Sam and um, his um, betrothed are back in Colorado. But in any case, it's a four-year deal. Um, I have heard that there was a transfer fee, that it was not significant, that it was not um, the it was not uh, a reciprocation of the two million dollar transfer fee that Antwerp reportedly paid for um, and then reportedly a 50 percent 
sell-on clause as well. I do believe that Vinesy was out of contract at the end of this summer, so I'd have to think that uh, Vines, given the way that things had been, given what I've reported in the past, that perhaps the transfer that him not making the Champions League squad was not as much of a clerical error. And also that at that point, um, the relationship had soured with the club and in particularly with the head coach who had a strong footing and wasn't likely to be let go by the club between now and the start of next season. So Vines wasn't going to be resigning at this point. Um, Antwerp did right by the player and let him get started on a timeline that works for the club that he wanted to go to. And if the Rapids kick back, I don't, I'm purely speculating here, listeners, like a couple hundred thousand I could see I could, the Rapids could have paid half a million for Sam Vines and to get him back, and I wouldn't have blinked personally. So, um, so there's that. I do think the four-year deal is interesting because I think it aligns with the timeline of some of the other big contracts that the Rapids have made. Cole is now on the first of a four-year deal um, with no club options, and then Jordi Mihailovic and Zach Steffen are on similar timelines as well. So I'm looking at this as like a three-year ramp up of the, you know, the of 2024 is okay, let's assemble the Avengers 2025, a couple tweaks, a couple changes depending on the roster, depending on the money situation and everything, but 2025, 2026, let's really do something with this core group that we have and hopefully listeners this doesn't lead to success in 2026 upon which the Rapids overachieve and then sell everybody to Europe. Jordi Mihailovic goes off, Zach Steffen's starting at the World Cup, who knows? Um, and then, you know, they give, um, and then they give Chris Armis a contract extension and then Pork does a really bad job between the selling off, keeping of the excess and then not replacing good players to the point where it all gets blown up in 2027. And here we are just like we were here in 2023. So, um, that timeline, I think, aligns with where the rest of the club is. And so, um, good on it for the club putting faith in Sam Vines, and I think that four years is plenty of time for Vines to get back to what he was as a Vines back in the first third of the season in 2021 and still have an opportunity to maybe do something with the national team and maybe do something back in Europe. We'll see. Last thing that I will say on that, listeners, um, the club put out a really fantastic and well-produced video social uh, social team, admin, everybody who's working on the digital side and everything. If you listen to this podcast, you are crushing it this season. Uh, this year, this calendar year. So um, Sam Vines, listeners, is going to be wearing the number three. And then in the video, they had Drew Moore there. Um, and they had some uh, highlight audio in there as well. And then he's looking at Jersey. It's revealed based on the angle that you can see that it's the number three. The name on the back of the jersey is kind of hidden with the angles and everything. And then Drew says it's in good hands. And then he walks away. And then it turns out it's uh, Sam Vines will be wearing number three as opposed to his number 13. I'm hoping to speak to Vinesy in the next week or two, hopefully, so I will ask him about that shirt number. I do want to ask Drew about that as well, but I think it's incredibly fitting someone who's meant so much to the club, who understands um, in line with uh, audio that I'll, that we'll show at the end of this episode of where I interview Keegan Rosenberry for the first time since him being named Captain, and I ask him about the nickname Mr. Rapid and where that comes from and kind of what it means, even though you maybe associate it with certainly Cole Bassett more so than Keegan or Drew or Sam Vines. Um, and so I, th- I think that's in line with the, the number three embodies that in the same way that um, Keegan has become Mr. has become Mr. Rapid. So um, there's that. Uh, late last, early last week, listeners, the, uh, Rapids, uh, put a little teaser out. They will be having a new jersey drop for their new primary shirt. 
on February 16th, which is a Friday. It's Friday after Valentine's Day. Um, and then they showed in the teaser video, they have one of the supporter flags um, that has the green Colorado license plate. And so that's led to a few people speculating whether or not the Rapids are going to uh, whether or not this may be a pivot away from the Burgundy, and we've seen this before with the Colorado Rockies, who had an alternate jersey that was uh, inspired by the green license plate with the mountains and had some fun stuff, and then Colorado and a C and a very good baseball logo, but also could be a soccer crest. Uh, we've seen this in spurts from the club in their marketing. It's been on a jock tag as well, so uh, with the C and then a circle around it, and then the soccer ball in the middle of the sea. Um, I have spoken to a source. This was a few months ago, however. Um, the shirt will be burgundy. That being said, it'll be the, it'll be the least just, uh, if we were to rank all of the primary shirts in the burgundy era of the rappers, of the rapids on a scale of most burgundy to like least burgundy or like clearly this shirt is different, this one would be the furthest to that end of the scale, implying that there's a fun new design or a new color or at least the, the least amount of external fabric is physically the burgundy color as opposed to something else. And so I wonder then if they're doing something with some green highlights as opposed to where we've seen it with blue, we've seen it with white in the past. And so that's something that I'm curious about. And I will say that um, the source did say that it was the most ambitious in terms of the messaging and then the initiative behind it. So we saw it with the um, 14er collective kit um, where they uh, where the club used that as used the the light green shirt from two away shirts now for uh, environmental stewardship and education and then also donating to trail maintenance throughout Colorado and then more recently with the current secondary kit the new day kit which has a mental health initiative behind it as well. So I would love to have a shirt that's maybe slightly different than just a plain burgundy shirt. I would not like the Rapids to pivot away from burgundy as their primary color. I don't think this is a rebrand, to be clear. But if it's something fun, it's something very Colorado, and they crush it. And then it also comes with a fun initiative where proceeds from uh, sales go to such and such initiative that, you know, is near and dear uh, and resonates with the Rapids community, then I'm here for it. Moving on, we've got some news as far as the draft picks are concerned. We had previously reported that um, Wayne Frederick and Nate Jones were, were with the team in preseason, and in doing so, that was them foregoing future college eligibility, um, and that they were likely to sign with the club, either first-team deals or possibly next pro deals if preseason went horribly, horribly wrong. But the club released details. Uh, Wayne Frederick, the midfielder, out of Duke has signed a three-year deal with a team option, so a three plus one, so 24, 25, 26, so a team option for 2027. Uh, Kamani Stewart-Baines is uh, who's the GA player who was always going to be with the team. He was always coming out of college, and he was always going to be guaranteed for 2024. He is on a three plus two, so team options for 2027 and 2028. And then Nate Jones, the center back out of the University of Washington, is on a one plus three, so guaranteed for 2024. Team options for 25, 26, and 27. Maybe the only real surprise that I have here is Nate Jones only on a one-year deal. Um, we'll get talking about center back depth and numbers later on in a couple of minutes, but um, I do think Nate Jones looks at it as 
um, just based on his physical measurements and his game film of his final year at Washington, that he is in demand. And so a one-year deal is kind of a similar audition to what Ollie the Ross and Sebastian Anderson are under, where it's the both parties are going in in good faith, but the club wants to see them clearly make the step to the first team and show that they can be contributors. And at the same time, the players want to see that that's an opportunity. And so I can see where Nate Jones looks at this and sees that there's a number of very young center backs on the team. Mike Edwards, who's been with Rapids 2 for the last couple of years and is looking to break into the first team. Moise Bombito, who I still think is the best of the young crop as well. And then a couple of veterans as well, at least for now. And so Nate Jones wants to see that he's making progress and that he's going to have an opportunity with the first team. Or at the very least, that he crushes it well enough with Rapids 2 this year to then earn that opportunity from the jump come 2025 but I could see where this is a you know hey if things aren't working out if things go horribly wrong if I fail if you do wrong by me we can both get out of this contract and very easily USL championship next pro MLS teams will certainly pick up the phone for Nate Jones Um, he's a little bit older again he's a rising senior or he would have been a rising senior at the University of Washington Wayne Frederick was a sophomore Kamani Stewart Baines the forward out of Maryland was a freshman so a three-year deal for them gives them leeway to where I think very easily they could go to R2 and have that be a productive, useful, motivating um, assignment for them. And then they're still um, they're still young enough to where I think there's leash and an understanding that they're going to be a bit of a project for the coaching staff and the organization to um, move them along. With that, listeners, and with Sam Vines joining the team, I believe that does set the Currently signed first team roster. So this is without any other rumors. This is without the number six rumor, as we will come on to. And this is without any um, unofficial or expected departures. The roster is now at 30. I believe it is at with Sam Vines with the two um, with the two draft picks uh, signing other than Kamani Stewart Baines, who's expected. That brought the Rapids roster total to 28, and then Sam Vines brings it to 29, and then Remy Capral brings it to 30. So as of right now, based on the current, um, based on currently what is official and on the club website, um, the Rapids have 30 contracted players. Um, there is some ambiguity in the MLS roster rules as far as players who are signed but then loaned to other clubs outside of. MLS, and then if those wages are being 100% picked up by the loanee club, the roster rules have never been explicit as to whether or not that player takes up a roster spot, and there's a few examples that suggest that if that was not the case, MLS teams would have had more than 30 players on that roster. But we'll get to uh, we'll get to Remy Cabral in a bit. Um, there's, you know, uh, Porg hinted, hinted at it. Chris Armis has hinted at it. There will be other departures, and there's a few that are kind of hot right now. First of all, left back Miguel Navarro. Um, there's rumblings that um, he will go out on loan with an option to buy to Talleres, uh, who are a first division club in Argentina. Navarro missed, uh, was unavailable unexpectedly for the Rapids Media Day, and that was, what, two days after the Sam Vines rumor was reported by myself, Braden Norse uh, from the Never Post, and then DNVR. And then the Athletic followed up with it as well. 
So I wonder if Navarro's looking at it thinking, well, I need to be playing so that I can be with Venezuela for Copa America. And then that, if I play well, will open up opportunities for me elsewhere. So I can see where he wants an opportunity out. And as I've discussed on the pod and written in the past, if you look at it from a Rapids math standpoint, the Rapids effectively got Navarro for free. So if they were able to get Sam Vines and maybe they weren't sure that they were going to have him and now they've jumped at him in the same way that they jumped at Zach Steffen, that then makes Marco Ilicia and Miguel Navarro a little bit of a unexpected but necessary sunk cost. And so then can they get out from under that contract? Can they get the player into a good situation? And look, if it's loaning to an Argentinian club with an option to buy, they can make a little bit of money on that front. So then it makes sense for them financially. It makes sense for the player as well. And yay, Sam Vines gets to start, you know, 34 games times 90, hopefully. Uh, So there's that. I do think that that deal probably happens. And the other two bits that we have, um, kind of an F-tier rumor from a source standpoint, maybe. Um, Lal Sabubakar, supposedly there's interest from Konyaspor, K-O-N-Y-A-S-P-O-R. They're in the Turkish Super League, uh, not one of the big clubs, because I haven't heard of them, and you probably haven't as well. Um, Lal Sabubakar is on really high wages. If you saw, it was almost like a 50% increase from 2022 to 2023. Um, his cap hit, or excuse me, his guaranteed uh, compensation for 2023, according to the MLSPA, was 700K. And I think we can agree he's not bringing that level of productivity to the club anymore. He's a very known quantity in MLS, and I still think he can do a job when you surround him with the right players to balance against his weaknesses. Similarly of what I would have said of Danny Wilson, he's capable of being a very, very good contributor and at times a starter on an MLS playoff team and I can completely understand with what the Rapids saw towards the end of last year and what they believe in the future of these two players that Armis is going to play with a back four and it's going to be Andreas Maxo and Moise Bombito and everybody else is on the outside looking in and in that regard you've got a veteran in his late 20s who this is the highest his resale value is probably going to be for the rest of his career and he's on a really high salary, and maybe he's not too happy about what's happened and seeing all of his friends and teammates get jettisoned from the club. And if he can get out to a new situation that works for him, and the club can get out from under that contract that, in hindsight, does not um, is not a value, then it's best for all parties. Just like how I would have said for Miguel Navarro, um, just like I would have said for Danny Wilson and Sam Nicholson for that. Oh, by the way, Sam Nicholson to Motherwell. Super happy for him, and Motherwell has a really, really fun uh, YouTube ad out, um, basically like um, uh, petitioning to Hollywood superstars to buy into them to have them become the next uh, AFC Wrexham. So really happy for Sam to go back to the Scottish Premiership, and I think it's an opportunity where he's going to get to play, going to get to have fun, and hopefully not get relegated because Motherwell is in the bottom half of the table. But So um, I have no idea how much truth there is to this opportunity. Lalsa Bubakar is in Mexico with the club, and he did play in the um, in the uh, friendly the other day as well. But um, if this is an opportunity that he thinks fits for him and the club can get out from under that contract, then I think it makes sense for all parties. Um, he'll be missed personally, but the Rapids have a lot of center backs. If you talk about Maxu and Bombito being starters, Mike Edwards is trying to break in, Daniel Chacon will be back in the summer from his ACL injury um, rehab as well. Um, and the other one that's kind of uh, the forgotten man of the Rapid center back room is Abubakar Keita, who is not with the 
Rapids in preseason training. He is training with TSV Hartberg, H-A-R-T-B-E-R-G, um, who are in the Austrian Bundesliga. They are in, uh, I think last I checked, they were fourth in the Austrian Bundesliga, which is overperforming for them. They're not one of the clubs that you think about because there's the Red Bull Club, there's the two Vienna teams as well, and then um, I can't remember the fourth one as well. It's been a while since I've read the Ballers Round listeners. But so um, I, I don't fault Buba for being in the situation, um, for possibly wanting out of the Rapids because he comes in, you know, preseason two years ago now, tears his ACL, he's out for all of 2022, he takes time to rehab. I saw him in training. He looked good. There were plenty of times in training to where he looked better than starters. He was as good or the best center back of a par- of a partnership of him and Mike Edwards. And he got opportunities in Next Pro with Rapids 2, was decent, not great. And he's looking at just simply at his age of being, what, uh, 23, I think? Yes, 23, to where he needs to play. And he played for a little bit when there were injuries in Columbus, and then he went back to the bench, and he went to the Rapids, where he thought Robin Frazier and the club cleared more about young center backs. And unfortunately, I think one of the things that in the long-term development, youth development component of what the of what Porrick Smith has done from a roster build standpoint is I think they've got a few too many center backs for a club that is now going to be playing a back four rather than a back three or a back five. And he's got a bunch of young center backs who want to play and who are expecting to play, who are going to be unhappy if they don't see a clear path to the first team for them. And then those players are potentially going to leave and then go somewhere else. So I could understand where Booba thought that he was doing well in training, was doing well with the uh, development team with Next Pro with Rapids 2. And he wants a better opportunity. And if that's, there's not a clear path for him to get minutes with the first team because Michael Edwards, maybe Nate Jones, certainly Moise Bombito are ahead of him. Just get me out of here. Get me somewhere that I can play. And if you combine that with an opportunity to go to a European club that clearly um, German Bundesliga teams will be looking at, Italian teams will be looking at, uh, the Netherlands, uh, Belgium, uh, maybe the English Championship will be scouting if he thinks that he has a better opportunity there. Then I think it's I, I think similar would be best for our, both parties. I've spoken with Booba. I think that he's a good guy. Again, I've seen him plenty in training. There's probably a bunch of you listeners listening right now being like, "Oh yeah, Booba Carcate is on the Rapids. I forgot about him." Um, yeah, that's uh, that's all you need to know about the that that says it for me. That sums it up. So um, we'll see what happens with that, and if that leads to the Rapids getting out from under from players who don't want to be here or who don't fit the future of the club or who um, then free the club up financially, either in terms of getting those roster uh, contracts off the books or freeing up or them getting transfer fees to then do more stuff with younger players um, who are on a better times uh, timeline for where the club is at right now, then I'm here for it. Um, won't speak about Navarro, obviously, because I haven't watched a whole, I did not watch a whole lot of him at Chicago, and I don't, and I have not seen him play with the Rapids, but I like both of the, both of the Abubakars, but um, if they were to leave, then I would be understanding of that. Talking about Sam Nicholson, so let's talk about uh, Remy Cabral right now, um, who was with Rapids 2 last year, scored 19 goals and one assist for Rapidos, won the Golden Boot, and was a best 11 player on an X-Pro team that made it to the Western Conference Final. He has signed a 1-1, one one, so guaranteed for 2024, team option for 2025. 
deal with the first team uh, to now officially be a Rapids first teamer alongside his brother, Kevin Cabral. Um, and he has now been loaned for the year to Phoenix Rising, who are, I would say, one of the super clubs of um, of uh, the USL championship, or at least they're regularly considered a playoff team. They're usually in contention to win a playoff game. Um, and, you know, if, if you were to list the top three teams in the Western Conference right now of who would be expected to win the USL championship championship, um, Phoenix Rising would come up in those conversations regularly. So I think it's a good opportunity for Remy. I think he certainly earned it. I think like him, Ali Laraz, um, Yosuke Hanya, I would put Blake Malone in that conversation, but that's another topic for another time. I do think that Remy has earned this opportunity. He's proven that um, uh, that he deserves a bigger opportunity than being in MLS Next Pro. I think being on loan for a year in the USL Championship will be a good opportunity for him. I would expect him to play. I would expect him to score goals. And I think it will be a good barometer test in terms of how well do you do in the championship relative to next pro? And then how are those skills transferable to the first team? And then could you be a channel running number nine for us where we play in transition? Would you be more of a wide player like how your brother is? Would you pair up with your brother potentially and, you know, have that twin psychic link to where um, you guys would be more devastating than you would be individually. I could completely understand Rapids fans being like, yes, we finally signed the good Cabral brother and we sent the wrong Cabral brother out on loan to the USL championship. But um, uh, I'll be keeping an eye on Remy Cabral um, now that he's in the championship. I look forward to seeing him hopefully. Uh, I don't know if the schedule has been released. I think it has, but um, when Phoenix are here and playing at switchbacks, I'll probably go down and watch that game if uh, it doesn't conflict with the Rapids, um, and uh, hopefully this is a clear indication to other Next Pro contracted players with the Rapids that there is a path forward to the first team, and if Remy crushes it with the championship, you know, let's say uh, 10 goals, 4 assists maybe, and he starts more often than he doesn't, and Phoenix make it to a conference final, I would fully expect Remy to be in preseason with the first team come uh, January 2025. Moving on, uh, the Colorado Rapids have named their captain for the 2024 season, and it will be 30-year-old old man, Mr. Rapid, right back, Keegan Rosenberry. Um, Mark and I have spoken on the pod in the past. Uh, we thought that he was the most qualified candidate. I asked Chris Armis in the Christmas Eve uh, interview special that I did with him what qualities a Rapids captain would have and the first two names that came up to me as he was describing that was Keegan Rosenberry and then Cole Bassett so I think it's the right decision um you know as I spoke with Keegan um earlier this week you know he said that um he's gotten a lot of affirmation from people around the club that he was the right person for this and that the way that he's going to be being a captain is to be himself the the he won't change uh, the captaincy and the armband won't change him. What the club and what his teammates and what the coaching staff are expecting of him is to just is to be more of himself. Um, and so I, I'm totally not surprised by this news. Almost expected it. Would have been nice if they had announced it uh, the morning of media day so then we could have talked to Keegan about it in the moment. But here we are. Uh, last two things that I will touch on. Listeners, before we get to that Keegan Rosenberry interview for you here on HTHL, is the Rapids played their first preseason game 
And they lost by a score of 3-1 to second division Mexican side Atletico Morelia. Um, Morelia was up 2-0 at halftime. One of those goals was a penalty, and then they scored a free kick to make it 3-0. And then there was a handball in the box later on in the second half, with John, which Jonathan Lewis scored. So the starting 11 was as follows. Lalo Sabubakar, Cole Bassett, Moise Bampito, Kevin Cabral, Omir Fernandez, Ali Raz. Rafael Navajo, Ralph Preso, Keegan Rosenberry, wearing the armband, Zach Steffen, and Jackson Travis. There were a few injuries to be had um, that had players out for this preseason friendly. Uh, minor knocks to Alex Gersbach, Wayne Frederick, and Jordi Mihailovic. And then I do believe the club tweeted out the lineup that started the second half. Let me read that off for you now. Sebastian Anderson, Adam Beaudry in goal, Michael Edwards, Brian Galvan, Yosuke Hanya, who's, I guess, technically, I don't know if on loan's the right word, but he's still contracted with Rapids 2, spending preseason with Rapids 1. Calvin Harris, Nate Jones, Jonathan Lewis, Andreas Maxo, Connor Ronan, and Darren Yappi. No notes on who wore the armband in the second half. So kind of two different hybrid lineups that had a lot of young guys in there, and certainly the absence of Jordi Mihailovic would have been felt. Sam Vines, I don't believe, if he had been in Mexico, he would have just arrived, so he was unavailable for that game as well. So certainly some important pieces that weren't all on the field for that starting 11, you know, that led to the club losing the first half 2-0, but then effectively a 1-1 draw in the second half. It is just preseason listeners. Preseason does not matter until it does, and we've seen it in uh, MLS. We've seen it in other sports where teams don't win a game in preseason and are totally fine for the season, and we've seen NFL MLS teams go undefeated in the preseason and then not make the playoffs in the following year. So this is just one data point. I'm not reading a whole lot into it, especially given that they had worked on a lot of micro and small scale stuff, but hadn't worked on a lot of 11 v 11 full sided pitch tactics. And so how much of the phases of play or um, their principles or stuff had they really done at an 11 v 11 scale to then be ready for Morelia, who again are in Mexico. So there's the Apertura and the Clausura. So they're effectively coming into, they're in mid-season form whereas the Rapids are very much in preseason form. And so is this result a reflection of the discrepancy that we see in the league calendars that has MLS teams regularly at a disadvantage in that first round of Champions League? Or is this a reflection that secretly the Rapids are bad again and all of the hype that we felt with all the new signings and everything was just us getting our hopes up again, only to be disappointed because this is the Rapids and watch, they're going to go to Cascadia on the road for the first game of the season and lose 4-0 and their left back's going to be absolutely trash. I don't know. We'll find out on Monday when they play another Mexican club and then get another data point and hopefully have some healthier bodies and something closer to what that starting 11 will be against Portland, but I certainly am not react overreacting yet as of now. Last comment that we'll bring up, folks, uh, Tom Bogert has reported that the Colorado Rapids are interested in 23-year-old Senegalese holding midfielder uh, Lamine Diak, L-I-M-I-N-E-D-I-A-C-K on the last name. Um, he is a nonce player. Nonce, you'll remember, listeners, is the French team that Alejandro Bedoya was at for an extended period of time, and then he is on loan to Turkish side and 
Ankaruru and Ankaraguku. A N C A R A G U C U, and then it's got the two dots above both of the U's on the end. Not sure how to pronounce that. If I'm being completely honest. I'm not going to pretend to know anything about this player's listeners. Um, I've probably crossed paths with him in Football Manager or FIFA over the course of the last two, three years. Um, but, um, you know, if they're, if the Rapids were going to take a big swing, have a risk on a player where they were paying a reasonable transfer fee or a loan with an option to buy, then the one position you would do that in that hasn't already been filled with guys with known that are known in MLS and known to be good in MLS, it would be at the demon position. If you're going to simultaneously burn an open in, the one open international roster spot that the club reportedly has and the one open uh, U22 slot, you would do it at the same position and you would do it at the number six. And so if this is the big swing that the Rapids are going to take to bring in a player who's new to MLS, but he's going to be next to Connor Ronan, who's very comfortable, and he's going to be next to a front four that's well-sorted and has a good understanding of MLS, and it's going to be next to an improved defense with a second-year Moise Pompito and a captain in Keegan Rosenberry and a second-year uh, in MLS Andreas Maxo and Zach Steffen in goal. That flattens the learning curve significantly in ways that Rapids rebuilds in the past have been bringing in a bunch of guys that are new to MLS, some experienced, some uh, younger players and then having them try to figure all of this stuff out together. And so if this is the player that they think it is, if this is the signing that is going to be from a, a hype and a money and a how much they scouted him, similar to Max, but without the reported uh, gambling investigation, then I'm here for it. I'd be just fine with the club re-signing Kellen Acosta. There's obviously some stuff that would have to happen first for Kellen to sign that and rumblings out of Chicago is that Chicago's closer than um, than the Rapids are. So there's that. But um, as uh, Bogart reported, as I've reported in the past, the Rapids have multiple targets. Some are domestic, some are international. And as I spoke with one source, the club is happy with where the roster build is right now. Um, I think Chris Armas thinks that Jasper Loffelson can do a job, that there's something in Ralph Preso that can be unlocked maybe this year. And if it's easier for them to get a to get their preferred number six target in the summer, then that's something that they are open to doing, given how well they believe the preseason and the offseason rebuild has gone already. And so I think that's something to watch for. Just because the Rapids don't make a big splash with the number six doesn't mean that this offseason is a failure. They've already done so much good work to rebuild the club. And it doesn't mean that they won't revisit that player or revisit that position in the summer where maybe it's easier for them to do so with a player that is based in Europe. And remember still, listeners, you know, the primary transfer window for MLS goes until, until, I have it here, Tuesday, April 23rd. So there are still, there are, you know, all of February, all of March, and then most of April. So you're looking at basically almost three months left in which the rap in which the Rapids could go get somebody else. Granted, that would be if they're going for a player that's based in Europe, then that European team would then be selling a player that they wouldn't be able to replace or make another signing outside of their academy, I believe, until the summer. So that's a slight complexity, but you know, the there's still plenty of time for them to add another player before things get shut for um, for the spring, and then you have to wait until you know late July in order to add someone ahead of Leagues Club. So 
Um, keep an eye on this. This could get hot. There could be new names that come out. There could be um, rumors that get shut down. Um, it's still silly season, and it's going to continue to be silly season for at least another couple of weeks, certainly, for the Rapids. That'll do it for me this week, listeners. Uh, follow us collectively on the socials at Rapids96Podcast, at Pollard, and at Soccer underscore Rabbi. Head on over to our Substack, holdingthehighline.substack.com. Support us, 5 bucks a month, 42 bucks uh, for the year if you get the annual subscription, and that will get you the free merch, and that will uh, go up before the start of the year. Um, so get that in now and get the discount, and you still get the merch that we are working on that is in production. I have seen it. I am excited. Rabbi is excited. Uh, send us your questions using the hashtag AskHTHL, and you can email us at rapids96podcast at gmail.com. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Keegan Rosenberry. Rabbi and I will be back next week. Enjoy your weekend. So first of all, Keegan, um, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Um, What was, uh, let's start with, how's preseason going? How's Mexico? Uh, It's been good. Um, You know, still early, uh, still kind of working some kinks out, I think, technically, but... uh, yeah, the work ethic's been there. Guys are guys are excited. They're energetic. Um, you know, eager to kind of show the some of the new staff, you know, their abilities and stuff. So um, it's been good. Weather's been great. A little bit warmer than Colorado, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's been fun. How's how's Chris been? What are his training sessions like? Really intense. Um, they are. They're not. Um, yeah, they're they're not easy, but uh, but you know, a lot of the concepts um, have been made really clear to us. Uh, in in a quick amount of time which i think is great you know very transparent uh we know what he wants and um in a short amount of time and um a lot of different drills to kind of emphasize the same things uh you know uh pressing reactions counter pressing um reactions to turnovers uh moving as a group kind of pressing as a group pressing cues uh those kind of things so um and then recently uh, later in the week we kind of got into things um more with the ball um, and how we're going to break teams down. And um, and because of, uh, you know, I think how quickly we, we picked up the defensive side, it was it was difficult with the ball. So um, we're looking forward to playing somebody else tomorrow and, and hopefully have a little bit more success. Yeah, good stuff. Um, were there any formal conversations with Chris or other people at the club? What was the process by how they came to you as the next captain? Um, yeah, I, uh, I spoke to Chris, um, pretty soon after he kind of gave his first, uh, address with the team and, and Chris had obviously known me previously being in the league for a bit. Um, and even going all the way back to when I was coming out of college and, um, going into the draft. So, uh, you know, he's, he had been super complimentary and, and, uh, liked, you know, what I was about and, um, you know, playing style and, and abilities aside and the way that I kind of carry myself and, um, and, uh, and I think, uh, has known Robin as well. So I think it might've helped that, um, maybe had some communication with him and, uh, yeah, kind of, um, more or less asked me, uh, do I feel like, uh, the title of captain is, uh, too much pressure or do, do I feel like it's going to change me or change, uh, how I lead or how I play or, or any of those things. And, um, you know, my answer was no, and I think uh, I think since then, 
it's been very encouraging to hear from him and other staff that um, that I don't need to change uh, at all, really. You know, at times I think there's some little moments where you speak up more or uh, maybe you have a couple a couple more interviews or you, you address the media a bit more. But um, I think what has been really nice to hear from me is that um, what I've been doing and the way that I've carried myself, the way that um, I communicate with, with people around the club but also teammates is, is exactly what they wanted in their captain. So um, it's been uh, it's been a lot of... A lot of nice things being said about me, which uh, you know we can we can stop now and and uh, just get to playing. Um, but uh, it's been you know it, it is nice to hear. Don't get me wrong, and uh, just uh, appreciative of the, the the support system that it's, it, it feels like I have. Um, not only staff but players, uh, you know, it's it's just very uh, validating for for the hard work that I've put in during my career and and even outside of, of playing, you know, the, the way that I conduct myself as, as a person and in, in trying to, um, be a leader and, and be a servant leader and, um, you know, coming from a place of, of gratitude and, and appreciation for, um, you know, kind of getting to do what I do for a living. So good stuff, Keegan. Uh, less the, the only validation I'll give you since it looks like you're drowning in it right now, Keegan, I will say that uh, <laughs> journalists do love, um, alliteration. So while your name does start with a K, Captain Keegan does have a nice ring to it, both <laughs> typing it and saying it. Um, have you I'm worn glad, the armband? <laughs> have you? Did you wear the armband previously at Georgetown in the Union Academy, going back to even like AYSO? Uh, yeah, I would have uh, been a captain, probably youth team way back. Uh, probably, I don't know, U thirteen, uh, maybe. U18 as well, and then a uh, little bit, yeah, once with the Union Academy, I can remember, uh, and then at Georgetown for two years, um, but first uh, first professional um, stint, so uh, definitely something that I wanted to achieve and, and uh, pretty happy about it. Do you think that experience helps you? I think about particularly in the college setting, there's so much turnover just because of the, the four-year cycle and everything to where even, you know, I, I think now to a player that, you know, has been in MLS as long as you've had, but it's maybe three years younger than you as not being a, a different generation. But, you know, there's a lot of newer, younger players there. Is there some parallel in there for you as someone who was a captain as a senior to some freshmen still figuring out college? Are there Are there any lessons in that that you can take to being uh, a mentor to like Kamani Stewart Baines or someone like that. Yeah, I think there are some some parallels. Don't get me wrong, but I, but I do think uh, I do think it's a bit of a different beast in, in that um, you know these guys, uh, even even the young guys that we drafted, freshmen and sophomores, even though they're the same age as some of the guys that would have interacted with in college, I think. Um, they've been able to be in the position they're in now because of a certain level of, um, you know, responsibility, uh, talent, um, discipline, and and because of that, I think, um, you know, you don't you don't have the guy on your college team that's gotten in to help the the team GPA things like that, you know, and um, in college sometimes the the motivation is a little bit different, and and people are still trying to figure out how to uh, maybe socialize and balance schoolwork and. Um, you know, those kinds of things. So I, I think in a way, uh, in terms of people managing, it's, it's, it's a little bit easier. Um, but, uh, plenty of challenges as well. And, and, um, you know, those will come. I think 
uh, I think when it's hardest is when the when the success isn't there, and you know we go through stretches that maybe have, have happened the past couple of years. And um, how do you carry yourself as as a leader in those times? And um, I think that's when people look to even more to um, to lead and lead by example, and, and to still have that same energy and um, and motivation. And um, you know, I'm I'm excited for that. You know, I'm ready for those challenges and. Uh, and in a way, those those difficult years in the past uh, are a way that you learn, um, you know, how to get through it and and how to um, uh, kind of confront those challenges. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, and uh, you know, those those leadership goals I've had in the past have definitely um, helped, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. From a coaching standpoint, we always like to talk, at least in the media and fans, like to talk about coaching trees. So I would say Robin was a part of Bruce Arena's coaching tree. I think Chris certainly is a part of the Jesse March coaching tree. But if we're looking at the um, the past captains that contributed to the version of Keegan Rosenberry here today as captain of the Rapids, you know, we're looking at you know, longtime MLS veteran Brian Carroll, Ali Bedoya, and Tim Howard, you know, their resumes speak of themselves, and then Jack as well. Is there anything from what they've done in the past as captains that you're going to try and incorporate? Or are you going to reach out to them for advice or recommendations? Um, yeah, I think uh, I think there's always an influence there from, from captains that you've interacted with in the past, and I've been lucky enough to be friends with a couple of them. Uh, you know, all the way back to Brian, uh, he was somebody that helped me, um, you know, from day one almost kind of feel comfortable as a young guy and um, something as silly as setting up my 401k with the league and, uh, you know, having things um, set up in that way and being responsible and kind of handling things off the field in that way. And um, all uh, there, there's some similarities with all of these guys. And uh, Tim, Tim may have been the most vocal, but... Um, Definitely Brian, Alejandro, and Jack, uh, a little bit more lead by example. Uh, look how I carry myself, look how I um, carry myself on game day. Look, you know, look at the focus and discipline and intensity I bring uh, when it is game day and, um, you know, being there all the time, uh, training all the time, training, you know, bringing that level and training all the time. And, um, and most recently, uh, I think Jack, uh, especially being a captain at the club that, you know, I'm at now, just, uh, you know, what a great example and a great friend to, to have you kind of lead the way for you. And, and as I grew closer to him, almost, um, you know, be there to help him in any way that I could. So, uh, just, yeah, very appreciative of, of having good captains, uh, in the past and, um, guys with great resumes, guys that have uh, achieved things all, all over the world. You know, you look at Tim and, um, you can't really beat a better resume to get into the hall of fame. And, um, it just, yeah, you know, what a what a privilege for me, and um, definitely, uh, definitely had influence on me, and um, it's nice to be able to kind of pull from um, different but uh, but great leaders. I don't know how much time you spend on social media these days, Keegan, but it was official as of this morning that uh, Sam Vines is back with the team. Um, how great is it to have him back at the club, given what he can achieve at the at your opposite fullback position? Uh, it's awesome. You know, Cole and I actually talked about uh, for as many familiar faces as we lost last year, it was kind of nice to get one back this year. So um, I think family's excited. I think we're all excited about the, the moves that we've made. And, um, you know, there's definitely a buzz about the club. And I, and I hope that the, the supporters are feeling that too. It seems like it. Um, 
yeah, uh, it's, you know, I, I think, I don't know, I'd be interested to talk a little bit more to Sam as, as to how his time was um, overseas, but, uh, you know, we, I think we all knew how good of a player Sam was when he was here uh, previously. So uh, you, you almost, it, it's almost, it's just, just assumed that he's grown uh, not only as a player, but as a person. And I think, um, you know, that's what we're all striving to, to do is improve year in and year out. And I think, um, we're all excited to see how he's grown and, and how he can help us. And, um, you know, left backs are, uh, are hard to find. And, um, and he was a good one. He was a good one when he was younger and, and I'm looking forward to that maturation. And, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's an easy guy to lead as well. He's a great teammate. So, uh, very happy about it. Very excited for him. Um, you know, it's gotta be nice coming home as well. So. Mm-hmm. The roster feels mostly settled. There's a lot of rumblings about a number six right now that I won't ask you about. But how much better are you feeling about just positionally where the team's at defensively, given Sam's back, you know, Zach and goal about, you know, just the, the team shoring up what was a very strong weakness that you guys struggled with last year? Uh, yeah, I, I mean... I can't even think of a better uh, a better replacement for the word excited, but it's just uh, it's it's fun. You know, in the offseason, it was fun to watch some of those being made, and then even now, as we still have guys kind of trickle in, um, it's just uh, you have this sense of eagerness about you. I mean, the preseason time is important to kind of learn about each other, learn the system, learn how we can get better, learn how we can be as cohesive as possible when we get to that first match in Portland, but. Um, at the same time, you're almost kind of dying to see how how good we can be, and 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 what the, the full potential of the group is when we bring all these pieces together, and how we can fully maximize um, all of our abilities at the same time. And uh, you know that's what's fun about team sports is kind of trying to figure out um, tendencies of guys. How can we work together best, and um, what makes us better? If I'm doing this and you're doing that, and those kind of things, and problem solving. So. Um, I think everybody's eager, especially even for just a little run out tomorrow and in a different opponent. So, um, yeah, we, uh, we can't wait. And I think everybody has that. Even the guys that just show up, um, you know, even Ryan Z coming in recently, uh, there's just a, there's a buzz, you know, there's a, there's a sense of, uh, you know, there's a real potential with, with, uh, the moves that we've made. So it's our job to kind of get as close to that potential as possible. I remember speaking to Emilio this time last year, and I think you guys had just come back from Orlando when you were talking about the difference logistically and that you guys were a little hemmed up either because of security or because of COVID. I can't remember. Um, Are you guys going to get to go golfing? Like, as captain, you still got to be the best golfer on the team, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so luckily we are still kind of confined to the hotel just, you know, security-wise, which um, makes sense. Not not everybody here knows uh, enough Spanish to get by if something were to happen, but... Um, there is a, a, a golf course connected to the hotel, so um, I think we might get some golf in our first off day on Wednesday. And uh, I think we've gotten um, some more golfers with with some of these guys that we've brought in, so that's exciting too. Um, you know, a great way for us to kind of um, you know get together and then do something fun and still compete. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to. It. I know a lot of the guys are. So uh, I don't know. Oliver Oliver Larraz is, is quite the golfer, um, and apparently Georgia swings pretty well too. So. I'm going to have to find some more time to, to hit the range and, and uh, keep the short game sharp because uh, it's, it's tight up there at the top.
Mm-hmm, absolutely. Now, if we're counting, I think at this point now, like this year would be the you've now had more years affiliated with the Rapids than with the Union. If we're talking youth career as a first team player and then even a little bit of time, the, what the one game with Bethlehem Steel that you played, does it feel like, you know, even though that you grew up in Pennsylvania, does it feel like for, you know, you and the wife that is Colorado home? Do the Rapids feel more like your club in the macro for your career than the Union are or were? Um, I, I would, I would probably say so. Yeah, I think just uh, even for you know what it looks like for us going back to visit family in the off season. Uh, you know, we spent quite a bit of time there this off season to be able to see both of our families, but that only ended up being, I think, thirteen or fourteen days. So, um, you know, logistically, it, it really is home, and uh, you know, we continue to say it every year how lucky we were to get traded to a city and a state like this and a team like this. Um, you know, there's obviously. 29, 28 other options that um, could have could have uh, happened, but um, yeah, we definitely we definitely see it as home. Um, it's been it's been awesome for us to explore and and uh, and feel at home, you know, because of the the people at the club and, and the people that we've um, become friends with. So um, yeah, it's uh, and especially now, you know, feeling like I've been here long enough to to know a lot of people in the club and and to be. Um, thought of as a captain, I think is about as validating as it gets, you know, for me in the way that I've tried to carry myself in my career and, and even just since I've gotten here in the way that you, you treat people that, you know, not just as teammates, but front office staff and the media and, um, you know, just, uh, you know, people you rub shoulders with at the club every day. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great place to live. Yeah. Um, was the so Keegan? I've seen a few fans and a few members of the media. They've in the past referred to you as Mister Rapid. I feel like that should have been Cole's nickname, but I don't like giving people nicknames without asking them about it first. Uh, text Danny about what he thought about being called uh, Scottish Salmon if you really want to know about that. But do you like the nickname? <laughs> uh, have you had nicknames in the past as a player? Um, do you like the notion of being Mister Rapid? Um, I can't say that I've really had. Uh nicknames in the past i think somebody might have tried to start something with being a barber back in philadelphia but um nothing that i can really that i can really think of uh yeah i, I think maybe mr rapid seems a bit more like cole you know somebody that's actually that, that is truly from here and kind of the boyhood club and um that kind of thing but uh you know obviously the the intention uh, i'm sure is kind of a little bit uh Mr. Maybe reliable or, or somebody that embraces the club or, or kind of knows what we're about. And, um, you know, I think in a way that, that would, you would also want to be your captain. So, um, yeah, I, I have no, uh, no reason not to like that. You know, it's, um, like I said, I think the intention is pure and, and I appreciate, you know, any, anything positive coming from, you know, the supporters or the media, whoever that's coming from. Um, yeah, I, I, I've, I don't mind that at all. Okay. Keegan, thank you so much for your time. Good luck with the rest of preseason. Congrats on your captaincy, and I'll see you back here in a couple of weeks as we start the season, and hopefully it's successful for you and the club. Sounds good, Matt. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Emilio. Thanks, everyone. Have a good afternoon. No worries. Thank you both. Take care.